Thank you all. Today, I want to share a word that I have titled, The Instinct to be Fruitful. The Instinct to be Fruitful. As human beings, we all have what we call, God has placed it within us. We have instinct. We have antennas. We have things that smell something, feel something, sometimes tells us to go right, tells us to go. It's within us. You can't explain it with biology or chemistry or math or philosophy, but it's just there. It's just there. Sometimes you, when you follow, we, we call it here your gut, your gut knowing. When you follow it, you realize that sometimes it ends you up in the right place. You can't explain it, but it's just there. And uh, today, that's what I'm going to speak about. And I, I chose a passage from the Bible to explain that. And the passage can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. And we are reading from 14 to 30. It's a little long, but bear with me. Lo a lot, all of you, I think, know this parable very well. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man who was traveling to a far country. He called his own servants. He delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, each according to his own ability. And he went on a journey. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five. And likewise, he who received two gained two more. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and buried his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those slaves or servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents, he came and he brought five other talents, saying, The Lord, you delivered to me five talents, and look, I have gained five more. And his servant, his Lord, looked to him and said, A well done, good and faithful servant. You, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over plenty. And then the one who received the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who received the one talent... Everybody say one talent. He who received one talent came and said, Lord, as for you, I know you are, you are a very hard man. Reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown. And gather where I have not scattered, so you ought to have deposited your money with the bankers and at my coming. And I will have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more, more will be given and he will have abandoned. But for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And he was cast he cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, and uh, there will be wailing or weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. You know, I'm going to come out with a couple of things about this story or from this story that we can all learn from this story. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about instinct. Uh, years ago, we used to be receiving a funny joke in the high school and uh, about 
uh, uh, somebody who thought he knew it all, an intellectual who decided to go on a journey on, on, on water, that is in a lagoon or lake or river with another person who didn't know much academically, but the person was a fisherman. And then while they were in, in the journey, they engaged in a controversial conversation with this, uh, uh, between the boatman, uh, the fisherman, and then this person who knew it all, the scholar. And I know you know this story, so sometimes when people have gone to school, they try to show off with what they know. So this, from nowhere, this um, intellectual or this learned man just asked the fisherman that, do you know what, do you know what biology is? The guy said, oh, I've not heard biology. How about, how about psychology? He said, hey, what word is that? He said, how about geology? How about criminology? He said, I don't know anything about this. Then he told him that you are useless. What do you know on the face of this earth then? You will die of illiteracy. But they said that in this story, after a while, the boat began to sink. And then this fisherman also saw fear on the face of this learned man because he realized that he could not swim. And he looked at his face and said, hey, my learned man, do you know botiology? He said, I don't know. What the heck is that? How about swimmiology? You don't know that one? He said, oh, I don't know. How about escape, uh, escapology uh, from, um, uh, what did he say? The, the water that we were in was filled with crocodiles. He said, how about escapology from crocodilogy? The man said, what the heck is that? He said, you are finished. You, would, you will dranology today. And crocodilogy will eat you and you will die, you will die because of your morphology. <laughs> Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because it gets to a stage in our life where inter your intellect or what you know doesn't really work out but it is what has been placed in you by god which is usually what i call instinct you can't explain it with books you cannot explain but this man being a fisherman he knew that when he falls in the water he will not die by instinct you know and it, 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 your psychology and your all those things will not be able to save you i remember as a geologist we used to go to new territories to look for look for resources and reserves and things like that but when, whenever we went to the place we had to interact with the village people because they'll be able to tell you where staff is they'll tell you that when you pass here you see this they don't know about the signs of the place but they can help you so based on the things that they tell you you are able to sometimes get a very good geological map of the area it's called instinct there was a time, the story I normally share, there was a time I was going at the church needed something to buy. And then we needed something to, a label to place on our computers at the back. Those labels are there today. And we wanted just to find a place in Delaware where we could get those labels. And we went around, we couldn't get it. And I was getting frustrated. So we got to a place, I think it was around Fox Run. I was sitting in the car with my car, and my wife just said that, turn right, based on nothing new. He said, just turn right. And as I said, turn right, 
But I didn't talk much. There are sometimes when women come up with this thing, you just have, you have to follow. So turn right. <laughs> you are going to learn. You're going to learn very soon for some of you. She just said turn right. No reason, no archaeology, no zoology, no biology, no science, nothing. Just turn right. And the, the son of man had to turn right. So I turned right. And then she, we got to a place. She said, I'll stop here. But where we stopped was in front of um, this rent, a furniture store or something. And I was saying to myself, that how does furniture relate with labels and computer labels? And she got out of the car and went into the store. And I sat in the car because I couldn't see the connection. And then a couple of minutes later, she came back. And he said, we are going to that other store. And she sat in the car and we went there. And when we went to the other store, we found exactly what we wanted. When she went into the store, she asked. And the person said, oh, that thing you are looking for is in the store right there. And for me, like how I think and how a lot of men think, what are we turning right for? What are we turning left for? But this is a furniture store. What is the connection? And sometimes there is, you have got to know where to draw the line between intellect and your instinct. Amen. Because the fact is that intellect can explain with all kinds of analysis. But instinct will find it. Without explanation, without science, without anything. Instinct is an inborn thing within us it has been placed in there by god it's a pattern of behavior that is characteristic of a species where you are motivated or there's some kind of motivation or impulse or gut knowing or if you're a spiritual being it is a prompting of the holy spirit that defies all logic it defies all intellect it defies all the things that regularly we would be using to assess things it's just an inner impulse or nudging of the Holy Spirit to react beyond what you have, you have physically available to you. Amen. So today we are going to go through 10 things. That's all my message today. 10 things that we can learn from this parable. Amen. Number one, intellect without instinct will cause you to fall short. Your book, 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 book knowledge alone will not take you far. I know a lot of us have gone to school. Some of us, we have our masters, two masters. We have, um, we have our PhDs. We have, we have doctors in the house. But if that is the only way you live your life, you will not go far. Intellect without instinct will cause you to fall short. Intellect and knowledge, they are two powerful things. They are powerful. Intellect is powerful, but instinct... In, in particular, they have, it has an amazing way of impacting our lives. The reason is that instinct will affect your emotions, it will affect your values, it will affect your aspirations, it will affect your goals, it will affect your thought processes at multiple levels, and it, it affects us con con constantly and continuously, consistently, and it's going to affect your life forever. It will take you far. Instincts directly affect us as individuals. It, 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 it guides us, it, it sculpts us, it shapes our behaviors. It, it also shapes our structures and our processes, our functions and our perceptions and our beliefs, wherever we find ourselves. 
when we understand the behavior patterns that are created by, uh, by our instincts, when we learn that this is the way we feel towards certain things, it helps us in a certain particular way in life. It, it, it becomes significantly easier for us to make conscious and rational choices about how much we'll allow our instincts to guide us, guide us in our behavior and our thinking, and how much we will let our instincts also influence our interactions with other people and with the world around us. So we need, what I'm saying is that we need a balance of the intellect and instinct in our lives as believers to enable us to stay on course in life. Amen. So you realize that in this passage, Jesus was saying that the kingdom of heaven is light. What he's saying that he's using, what is, he's using our understanding to explain something that is beyond human reasoning. And that's how the parables usually came by. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a master who called his servants, other Bible versions say slaves, and gave them talents. You know, it's a, a little difficult to understand it now because there is supposed to be a huge gap between master. These days, we don't have too much of that. But in the, in the times that Jesus lived in, he lived in a system that we call the caste, the caste system where if you are a master you're a master where if you're a slave you're a slave and there was such a wide gap between them so i'm trying to think why in this particular situation he was going out and he decided to give them money or he decided to give them talents so it's, it's a peculiar story that god wants us to understand it's difficult to understand because a master and slaves like i said they are supposed to be many miles apart in this in, the, in this contest if you are born a master, you stay there. If you are born a slave in those times, you stay there. It's like the, those of you who watch a Big Brother, it's like the haves and the have-nots. You know, and people, there are people who have in the society, there are people who have not, and there's a wide gap. In this society, we call them the 1%. Very rich people, and, and the rest of us, we are all together in the 99. You know? So, so the whole notion where this master who owns servants, and, or slaves and he's going on a trip he bypasses his children his heirs his neighbors and he rather gives the slaves or the servants talent is shocking in this parable a slave or a servant has been gifted with master staff that he did not even work for or earn amen and that leads to my second point the second point is that we are gifted by grace we are gifted by grace. God wants us to understand from this parable that as far as the master is from a slave, that's how far we are from God. But God still chooses to gift us or to bless us. When we read Isaiah 55 and verse 9, the Bible says that for us the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when it comes to God, you, can, you cannot earn your way up to God. You can't be, I know there are some of us who try to be holy, who try to be good, who try to be, and sometimes we look at our own good, good life and we think that others are done, but no matter how good or holy or righteous you look, you cannot earn your way to God anyway. Never make this mistake of thinking or assuming that the gifts that God blesses you with are based on merit. 
Don't ever think, don't ever make that mistake that you lived a holy life enough. That's why you are getting your miracle. Your intellect, your good looks. It's amazing that some people can look at themselves in the mirror and they, they just tell themselves, that, wow, what a shock, I am beautiful. They look at them, it's like they made themselves. Your father and your mother, they met, they made you and you came, suddenly you have a nice face, beautiful forehead, your cheeks are nice, everything, and you think that it is by your own works. Your intellect, your good looks, your, I put in this, your shape. Some people, people even believe in their shape. They, they look at themselves in the mirror, they look at their shape, oh, look at my, my tiny waist, wow, what a shape. People believe in their shape. People believe in their wealth. People believe in their good health. People believe in their hospitality. People believe in their ability to speak publicly. You know, there are some people who are knowledgeable, but they cannot even talk in public. But there are some people who don't even know much, but when you give them a microphone, wow, they will, sh they will shock you. It's a gift from God. God blesses us with gift. Your ability to sing, your ability to be creative, your ability to draw, your ability to manage effectively, your ability to cook, your ability to do stuff is a gift that comes from God. It's not based on merit. If you wake up one morning to find out you have a pointed nose and it's beautiful, say glory to God. Thank God. If you, you wake up and you look at your eyes and you see that, ah, oh, my eyes are powerful. Just know that it's not based on your, you didn't do anything to get that. God gifts us. So this parable tells us that this was a master, this was a slave, but based on nothing, he just gave them gifts. He gifts us regardless, with an ability to do things with greater ease than others. That's what God does. You realize that when he gives you something, you probably will be able to do better in those things that you are talented with more than the regular guy. And every one of us has been gifted by God. Everyone. No one on this earth should ever say that I have not been given. In this parable, it clearly tells us one was given five, one was given two, another was given one, but they were all given something. And we are all also given something by God. Amen. Number three. God's gift to us must be appreciated. Thank God. A lot of us are ungrateful. Because instead of sometimes appreciating what God has blessed us with, we are focusing on the gift of others. I'm very sure that this one talent man, he, the, what discouraged him most was that he saw that somebody had five, another person had two, he said, me, pa, me, one. Then I'm not going to be grateful. A lot of us are ungrateful because instead of appreciating what God has blessed us with, we are focusing on the gifts of others and overlooking ours. But our gratitude always glorifies God. Because in our gratitude, we don't exalt the gifts, we exalt the giver. Our gratitude glorifies God. Gratitude helps us to realize that all we have comes not because of us, but from God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15 that, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. 
and God will receive more and more glory. No, as God's grace, the gift of God is the grace of God. As it gets to you, know that it's God. It's not you. If you wake up one morning, you are beautiful, thank God. If you wake up one morning, you are black, thank God. If you wake up one morning, you are white, thank God. If you wake up one morning, you realize that, oh, your hair. There are some people who, who look at their hair and literally they, 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 they think that it is their own making that makes their hair beautiful. Because you look at the other person, the person... You know, there are some people, you go and marry somebody and the person was, maybe had a lot of hair. The person just takes a comb one morning, takes the comb through the hair and one quarter of the hair is gone. You realize the hair is just falling out. And yours is just growing and growing and growing and you look at yourself and you think that, ah, oh, wow, I am, the, I am responsible for this. One day you are going to become very bold. Because God, when he sees that, he's going to take it from you. Gratitude means that you are content with what you have been given. And that helps guard you against envy. When you are grateful to God for what he has given you, it prevents you from being envious or being jealous of what God has blessed somebody else with. Envy or jealousy makes us want what somebody else has. I mean, it makes us think that we, have, we, we ought to have got it, not them. Can you believe that um, some people can look at others and they, they see them in something beautiful and they think that they should not have had it, it should be them. Is that not witchcraft? Hmm. It makes us think that we have got to have those things. He, I should have had that house. I should have had that home. I should have had that intellect. We think that we all, God, God owes us something. Gratitude makes us realize God has given us more than we deserve. Because there is enough for everyone. We can cheer rather than compare. Amen. A heart that is wholly grateful has no room for jealousy or for envy. Amen. My next point is that, and it's very true, that God is not fair. Amen. But what is God? God is just. So it is true. God is not fair. Why did God give one person five? I mean, I mean, if it was a fair God, you would have given five, five, five. That is being fair. That is equity. But God is not fair. I don't know why he does it that way. It's because he's God. He knows what everybody needs in his or her life. He is just. I don't know why he does that. But he, he is God and he knows why. He gave five talents to one. Two talents to another, one talent to the remaining slave. I, I don't question that because that is who God is. Sometimes you are going to go through life with all your prayers, with all your goodness, with all your, your fasting and with all your holiness and with all your rightness, righteousness and find out that someone that you least expect to be blessed is massively blessed in a way you cannot understand. That's how God does his things. Somebody that was, that's the day before you saw him. He was with a, a girl who is not a wife. He was a woman. And somebody, you, you have been praying, praying about it. But you see, you turn your head. And realize he has the five talents. You have one. You are going to find out in life that someone who has religiously given his first fruits, his tithes, his offerings, is blessed and gifted less than someone who even doesn't give anything at church. That's God. You give your first word and realize that one who doesn't give, he has built a massive house. And the colors are plenty. 
and you don't understand you got oh god i've been religiously giving my first just shut up because he's god he knows what he's doing you are going to find out that someone who does not go to church to pray has a better paying job than you who just finished 40 days of power and prayer fasting dry fasting that's why i say god is not fair but he's a, he has a perfect reason for everything that he does everything that makes him what a just god why has god given some amazing voices to some people and some people when they start to sing eh, eh, croaky croaky voice you don't understand why i mean why you look at yourself you have the beautiful you have the good forehead you have nice hair when you walk it's so nice but when you open your mouth to make a joyful noise unto the lord everybody wants you to shut up they want you to keep your joyful noise to yourself i know people like that <laughs> we don't want to hear it say it in your secret place why does god do that somebody comes to sing and it's like effortless some of these people who sing believe me sometimes they don't rehearse no rehearsal it just comes but if you have not been gifted you can do all your rehearsals you can listen to all the tapes and think that you are ready and you are equipped when you start singing though everybody in the congregation will just start uh, fleeing helter skelter for cover but that is god Fair, fair means that fair means that he gives everybody the same level of amount of blessing but just means that he takes an objectively good look at other things in your life before he gives and that's who god is he's fair amen it takes me to my next point god gives and it said in the same parable that god gives according to our ability he gave five, he gave two, he gave one talent respectively to the servant according to the ability. This means that God considers what you can handle before he gives to you. The Lord is not going to give you a gift. He's not going to give you a blessing. He's not going to give you an opportunity that he knows you cannot handle. The Lord is not going to give you an open door that he knows you cannot handle. It's according to our ability. That's why it does not make sense to be jealous of anybody. Because God knows that when he gives you this blessing, you can handle it. He gives you this blessing, he knows that it will kill you. So because of that, he takes that blessing from you and places in the hands of somebody else and gives you something that you can handle. That is God. It's a, the Bible says in this parable that he gave the servants according to their ability. Because you might end up erroneously desiring something that you were not built or created to handle. Too many of us get jealous. Too many of us get, we get green-eyed when it comes to, to what they see in other people's lives. Some people can even see a beautiful person, somebody who looks, I mean, physically look, the person looks better than them, and then they are angry. The, I mean, for no reason. The person, you've not met the person before, and the person, you just see them, uh, if, if this person, he feels that she's, she's beautiful, like she's not. What kind of spirit is that? 
This person, he feels that he's, you've not met the person before, you've not been to his house or her house before, you just see, you measure yourself, you realize that the person's shape, the person is better. Face, the person is better. Money, the person is better. Looks, the person is better. The person holds a microphone, the person can sing too. Hey, then you look at the person, you look at him, you think he's good, I'm a. It's nothing. All these things, I mean, it's, it's nothing. I mean, and the jealousy is just creeping in your life. Repent and be baptized. Hallelujah. Repent. God knows what you can take, and he gives you exactly that. So please understand that about life. Please. Number six. I'm giving you ten points, and I'll be done for today. Number six. Different talents, but same thing in common. What's this same thing in common? The same thing in common is opportunity. Amen. They all had different talents. They did have different talents, but all of them had one thing in common. They all had opportunity. Opportunity to transform what had been given to them. An opportunity to maximize your talent. And this morning, you may not have what the next person has. You may not be able to do what the next person can do. You may not look like what they look like. You may not have the resources uh, they have. You may not be able to sing. You can't even play a, music, uh, a musical instrument. Uh, but the one thing that we all have in life, when we all wake up, we all wake up with an opportunity. All of us. So the one with ta five talents, he saw an opportunity with the five that he had. And he changed it to ten. Then one of the two talents also saw an opportunity with what he had. And he had an opportunity to double it, and that's what he did. So God expects us to turn it into something greater or better. You know, when God gave Moses a rod, he did not give Moses a rod to use as a walking stick. That he's a new, he's a new dude in town, and some walking stick around shaking you know some you know we have some people right now they are not crippled they are nothing but they have a, a stick in the in that in the hand because they have reached a certain level and, and I, I didn't know that stick can transform people's lives you know but he didn't give Moses a rod to use as a walking stick he gave him the rod because he knew that there was a potential for that rod to do exploits to do amazing things when you get a job from God he doesn't just want you to keep the job. He wants you to be able to turn it into something. Put your magic into whatever is divinely given you by God. And make it transform into something miraculous. That's why there are people who are given money by God. There are some who just go and buy, another time I'll talk about that. Some who just go and buy the money, but there are some who take the money and they're able to do much with the money. And the same thing that has been handed over to, to people, one does it better than the other. Because the other is unable to use that opportunity to transform. Put your magic into whatever is divinely handed you and make it transform into something miraculous so be fruitful turn your salary turn your job turn your children turn your education turn your ministry into something better turn your house into a home 
We've all got houses, but some houses are not homes. Some of the houses, when you go there, there is fire all over the place. There is trouble, chaotic situation. So turn your house into a home. Turn the woman God gave you into a wife. A wife is not just a woman. You know, no, I won't talk about that now. Maybe it's, a, it's another topic. But the point is that a, a woman is usually a wife before you meet her. Bible says that when you find a wife, it didn't say when you find a woman. So God already has transformed that woman or the woman has been able to transform through the power of God her, her situation into something better. And that's when the woman places herself there, that's when there's the connection. That's why some people are not getting married. When you realize that you're a wife material, you'll be found. When you find a wife, not when you find a woman. So turn a woman into a wife. Turn that man into a loving husband. Some people marry men and then they just, I don't know, they, 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 they bring a lot of trouble out of the situation. But you are able to make sure that that man doesn't just become a man in that home. That man becomes a husband for you. Turn your department or ministry into a haven. Turn your life into a blessing. Use every opportunity God has made available to you to transform things. Bring a transformation. If, if it's been given you by God. Amen. Number seven. If you expose your fear... You bury your talent. You know, it's still a parable I'm talking about. If you expose your fear, this, listen to the statement that was made in Matthew, in Matthew 25, 25. It says, and I was afraid, that was fear, and went and buried your talent in the ground. Whenever you allow fear to take over in your life, whatever God has blessed you with that he requires, for you to, to expose so that it becomes better, you will go and bury it. He said, there you have what is yours. So fear, fear crippled his ability to use what had been given him by the master. When you reverse the same statement, when you reverse the same statement, I think this thing is giving some static. Let me see if I can use that. Hallelujah. When we reverse the statement, it will read this, that if you bury your fear, you will expose your talent. So the first statement I made was, if you expose your fear, you bury your talent, but this is how it should be. If you bury your fear, you will expose your talent. So this morning, I want to challenge you. All of us, we have fear, but you should never let your fear have you. All of us, we, we all fear stuff. But don't let your fear have you. Stop exposing your fear. Bury it. And see yourself doing the things you thought you could not do. Bury your fear under the cross. Bury your fear in the word of God. Bury your fear in the blood of the precious lamb of God. Bury your fear. And as you bury your fear, lift up your talent to God. And see demons tremble. See hell get nervous. See curses and shackles broken. See the yokes destroyed. See people set free as you lift up your talent to God and bury your fear. Can I hear an amen? 
You know, your life will begin to take a new chapter because you are now courageous enough to expose what God has given you. Some of, some of your children, for those of you who have children, they are gifts. They are gifts that God has given to you. And sometimes some of us as parents, we refuse to expose the gift. Overprotective of children, we don't allow them to do the things that they are supposed to do. Turn your kids into something positive. Allow God to work on them in the name of Jesus. Some of you are endowed with physical and spiritual resources, but it's all buried because of fear. Some of you can even sing, but you have never opened your mouth to say, he, 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 before, nothing. But it is there because of fear. And those rather who don't, the thing is not there, you're allowing them to come out and the thing is not helping the body of Christ. Don't be afraid to use the opportunity available to you to expose what the Lord has given to you. So today, what are you going to do with what God has given you? What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your treasure? What are you going to do with the opportunity? What are you going to do with your influence, your power? What are you going to do with your time? There are people in the hospital today who wish they had the same opportunity or kind of opportunity that you had. But you woke up today, you were able to comb your own hair. There's somebody right from the beginning, the person has to be helped to wake up. This person has to be helped to comb the hair. The person has to be helped even to feed. You were able to do all those things. God has made all these things possible and you still say you have no opportunity? Don't make the same mistake that the man with the one talent did. Amen. Number eight. And that's a nice, a nice thing. God is not holding you to somebody else's standard. So they all had different amounts of talent. The five talent guy worked on his talents. And he said, I've got ten for you. And the two talent guy said, I've got four. So maybe, I'm sure maybe, I don't, I'm just saying, it's not in the Bible though, but maybe the ten, the ten talent man will look at the four talent man and say, ah, when we are talking about ten, you are, you are talking about four. But the thing is that, Everyone, every one of them had 100% returns. And that's what God is looking at. Whether it is one or two or three or four, he brought double of what he had. The fact is, whether more or less, the increase that they, they got from, from, from where they started from is what was impressive. That's what actually moved God. And what we can learn from this is that God doesn't expect you to work with what he has not given you. So don't, don't, don't do things that are not in your lane. Run your race. Do what God has asked you to do. Don't look at another race. Don't be in the lane God has placed you. You see the other lane is getting a lot of drawing, a lot of applause. So you jump from your lane into the other lane because you also want the fans. No. We learn from this that God doesn't expect you to work with what he has not given you. You are going to be accountable to God for what he has put in your hands. You know, when we read the Bible in, uh, in the ERV, the, that version gives a very good thing about comparing ourselves. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. You, you are going to be accountable for God, for what God has put in your hands. No, not somebody else's. So stop comparing yourself. This is what the Bible says. Don't compare yourself with others. Just look at your own work. 
to see if you have done anything to be proud of. You must each accept the responsibilities that are yours, not somebody's. Amen. So get ready to use what God has blessed you with. What you have, I mean, your church, your talent, your ministry, don't say, oh, my church is. Some people, what they hate is uh, a church. They want to be in a church that's already 1,000 or 1,005. What they hate is two, three, and four. That one, no. But that's what God has given to you. Ministry resources. It may not be as big as the next person's, but if that is what God has given to you, he expects you to be fruitful with that. Amen. Number nine. We're almost coming to the end of the message. You must have the instinct. That's like the topic. You must have the instinct to be fruitful. You will notice that the master did not specifically instruct the servants on what to do with the talent. He did not tell them. He just gave it to them and went on a journey. So that's why the topic came in today. So why did the five-talent man work to make it ten? Why did the two work to make it four? That was instinct. The instinct to increase, the instinct to be fruitful is what led, is what led the servants, the two servants to do that. He gave them and immediately he went on the journey and two of them got it. And there are other things in life that you, you just have to do based on instinct, not by instruction. When we read Genesis 1, 28, the Bible says that be fruitful. It's not like a command, but that, that is what God expects of us, the choice that God expects of us to make, to be fruitful, to multiply. He wants there to be a spontaneity when it comes to the issue of fruitfulness in our lives. So when the master gave them the talent, he expected that instinct of being fruitful with the talents to be activated without any instruction. This is not about instruction or command. It's about instinct. And today I ask you that do you have the instinct to be fruitful with what God has given to you? The kingdom of God has not commanded us to increase. Heaven expects us to increase. You know, there's a story I'm going to be ending with about 10 lepers. When we read, we read Luke chapter 17, verses 14 to 17, this is what the story says. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. That was an instruction from Jesus. The instruction from Jesus was go show yourself to the priest. And that was the only instruction that he gave to them. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice and glorified God. That was not part of the instructions. But that was the instinct that he had within him to do what was right. And he fell on his face, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus asked, answered and said, where are the other nine? But Jesus didn't tell them, go and show yourself to the priest and come back and thank me. But he expected them to have the instinct to do that. All of them followed the instruction to go and show themselves to the high priest. All of them got healed on the way. But one of the lepers came back to Jesus and said, I just came back to thank you. Surprisingly, Jesus was asking about the other nine. He did not ask them to come back to thank him. So why is he asking for them? But he was carving a lesson for all of us that when we get blessed by God, we have got to have the instinct to praise him. 
When people do stuff for us, we have got a God instinct to thank them. The person may not say that, come and thank me the following morning, but the instinct has got to be there to do that. Because when we praise God, God retains and reciprocates by bringing down a blessing. So that is why when you find yourself in a place where you are blessed with what God has given to you, all you can do is to lift up your voice and praise the Lord God. It might not be in the instruction, it might not be in the things that God has written down, but by instinct, if you receive that, blessings will come down for you. People, I mean, people put all kinds of, of humble, holy attitude when they are in trouble. And they pray to God. And then God causes them to get out of the trouble. But they forget to give back to God their thanks when they are delivered from their trouble by God. Beloved, if God has been good to you, all he expects from you is for you to give him all the praise. Amen. So finally for today, any servant, any slave can follow instructions, but masters move by instinct. So the moment you start operating under, under the instinct that God has placed in your life, you are moving to the level of a master. By instinct, Abraham was content with a less fertile place compared to the well-watered land that Lot chose. But his instinct told him that although this place doesn't look watered, it doesn't look fertile, I'm okay with that. He did not fight, he did not fight Lot. Years later, Lot's place was destroyed by fire because he moved with his eyes. But the Bible says that we live or we move by faith, not by sight. That is what we move with. And so Abraham was able to use instinct to know that that which does not look good will have a good ending for him. And that's why sometimes people go to churches and, and then they, or they, there are things which are starting and they cannot get involved because they don't have instinct that this thing, which looks like this today, it will transform into something greater. And by the time it's greater, sometimes it's too late because they are in other places. And then they want to associate, oh, this thing, when we started, well, I was there, oh, but could you continue? The Bible says that Abraham, he moved by instinct and was content with, with the place that he was given. What separates great people from regular people, in addition to their intellect, is instinct. There are certain things that your intellectual ability, your academic pedigree, your business or financial acumen can never have answers to, except the instinct placed within you by God. Instinct is what will keep you still attached to something or someone that everyone else disregards. Some people are by certain wives, you are by certain husband, but instinct tells you that if I continue in this journey, the end result will be amazing. Some of you, you just see one thing come from a woman, one thing come from a man. Ah, you are running for dear love. I cannot stay in this relationship. I'm gone. Then later, the thing that you rejected, somebody takes it up, transforms it because the person had instinct. And then you are crying, that, ah, yeah, this person, no, no, you missed it. You use all your analysis, your instinct placed in you by God, it was not functional. Amen. I'll end with this. Years ago, I was an MC at a certain wedding event by a brother who always told me that pray. Pray with me. Pray with me, I need. And, and the brother, when he entered the church, 
All the women they were disregarding because he used to wear some long sleeve. I mean, when, when we talk long sleeve, this man is, 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 is <laughs> hallelujah. People even thought that under the long sleeve there was something. They thought that, hey, maybe is it, is it like leprosy? They said, ah, what kind of, you know, when the long sleeve doesn't end here and it ends somewhere here, you know that there's, there's, there's an issue. You know? And then this guy said, I should pray. Pray that I'll get married. Pray that I'll get a breakthrough. Pray that I'll get a wife. And I, I, me, myself, when I look into the, I look, I look at my intellectual analysis of the church, which woman in this church would like to marry this person? Nowadays, the women, hey, if you wear things like that, they want you to be a guy. So one day, he came to me and said that, well, he saw some woman in the church, and he proposed by instinct, and the woman said yes. I had, not, I had not seen the woman. But when I saw the woman for the first time, I said, Hey! Shakabeya. The woman was a registered nurse. The woman was beautiful. The woman was light-skinned. The woman had what people refer to as shape. The woman had the body. She had every color. I said, from whence? How did this brother break through? What other people were running away from? But he went by instinct, proposed, and pam. And I was an MC at, at that event. And everybody, people, if you see two people talking head to head, they were, they were gossiping about the thing. But today, as I speak, they are still married. They have two amazing children. And it's a marriage that is for keeps. Beloved, the difference between an okay Christian and an extraordinary Christian is that one follows just instructions, things written on paper. But the other, in addition to following instructions, uses instinct that has been placed in him or her by God. May God help us to be endowed with the instinct to be fruitful in every area of our lives. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let's rise up in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. You are our refuge. You, you are opening rivers in places that are desolate. We are placing us on higher grounds. I pray, oh God, today that your word will make impact in the lives of your people. And for anyone out there, Lord, that has never even had an opportunity to receive Christ into his life, I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, will make a grand entry into their hearts. I pray, my God, that this day, there will be a transformation in their lives as they receive you as their Lord and their personal Savior. I want to thank you, Lord, and bless you in Jesus' name. Let's say amen.